because she has this thing about aliens. <laughs> and yeah, like I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with aliens. Okay, so like some people are afraid of spiders. Okay. Renee is uncomfortable with aliens. And but let, let's, let's operationally define aliens when I'm talking about that. We are talking about those little green men from space, perhaps little green persons from Maybe space. Maybe green. Green creatures from space. They could they be other colors. Be green, they could be other colors. Gray. Uncomfortable. They, they, never seem, they never seem friendly. Big. Dark eyes. <laughs> empty, empty <laughs> eyes, at least in the pictures. They're, they're scary to me. Well, we, we kind of have to talk about this, and I know that April Fool's is coming up, but there has been a lot about aliens in the news. And just An uncomfortable last, amount of aliens <laughs> in the just news. just the last couple of months. I mean, the, the UFO sightings, the talk of aliens, strange noises, lights, have really sort of exploded in the last few months here. And, and in fact, just four days ago, on March 26th, a possible UFO flew over Seattle. So these things are happening regularly. What's going on? I'm, I'm just going to say, as uncomfortable as I am and in looking into this, I saw that in 2019, we had over 120 UFO sightings in Illinois alone. And that's only the people... That either A, believe in aliens, or are B, comfortable enough speaking about it. So who knows how many countless others saw something unusual, but just didn't report it? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. Yes. But there's another article that came out that talks about an alien world, which is even bigger than the aliens from space, Boy. that might be hiding inside our own Earth. Um, okay, so inside of our Earth, I know that we have layers, and it gets hotter and hotter as we go further inside. So how can there be an alien world inside of our Earth? Well, okay, in 2016, UCLA researchers proposed that Earth could actually be two planets that were fused together so that they thought there was this impact between a big, huge exoplanet so long ago that I don't even know how far ago it was, but we're talking millions of years, hit the Earth, Wow! split off, a piece of it that became our moon yeah. and then fused into the core of the planet that we have now or the mantle, which is above the core. So not Strange. so deep. So, so then there is a theory then that there could be evidence of what minerals or other space Okay. particles so that, that tell them that that's a good point because like why would it even matter if there was a piece of another planet inside our planet but arizona state university has a professor named Xian yuan and he and his colleagues suggest that there are mysterious dense spots in the earth's interior that are specific pieces of this planet called thea and that they are still intact oh boy thea okay thea, thea. so <laughs> they think that thea's mantle are proposed maybe several percent denser than the Earth's mantle, and that's how they can identify it, so that this Thea is heavier and denser than our mantle, so it's kind of sinking to the bottom 
of the mantle as we know it in the earth layer. So could it then be consumed by the core of earth and just be liquefied and gone? Um, I don't know, but they say it is accumulating into thermochemical piles okay. that may cause seismically observed dense areas, which is way beyond me. But basically, the cool thing about this is if it is a planet yeah. that hit our planet and potentially broke off the moon, the so what of all this is the <laughs> fact that they think that this planet with a piece of the chunk of the moon that went off could be the same. So this would be the first time science could study what happens to exposure to space, the moon, the rock that is up there, with this, the rock that is inside the mantle of the earth. So it would be Strange. able to say heat and pressure of the earth. This is what the rock did. Cold vastness of space in the moon. That's what the rock did. And since they're postulating that this is from the same planet, what are the differences? And testing all those theories. That's crazy. I think the turning point for myself was when um, all of these higher level officials started coming out. Like, for example, um, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. Imagine that name tag. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. Keeps going. Um, he basically said that the existence of aliens and UFO is nothing new and the government needs to do something about it. Okay, so we're, we're talking about people who have um, access to information that we don't even know and they're just agreeing with it? Okay, so if we do have a piece of maybe going back to the uh, alien world inside yes. the Earth, I know that my GPS can be unreliable. Is there any <laughs> chance they are trying to shoot for a piece of this old planet and they're like, where is it? And we've got it parked inside the mantle of the earth. <laughs> That's why they're confused and flying overhead. It's a theory. It's a theory. I'll, I'll, it's a theory. And theories can be proven right or proven wrong. <laughs> um, we're going to leave that up to the scientists who have better uh, experience than, than us. All right, so we're hearing that government officials may have tails, but here in Illinois, there are things happening as well with these aliens from space. What did you want to share? Oh, well, there have been so many alien encounters in Illinois. Uncomfortable. And, and what was interesting in doing this research is that you didn't really find any sort of pattern. There's no pattern. It's not like this one area of Illinois and they're just all like seeing it. That's true. Except there was one small pattern okay. and that was in Southern Illinois. And it was a black triangle shape in the sky that was reported more than any other unidentified flying object. I, I don't know if somebody was playing. What's that where you like kick a fake football <laughs> of paper and they were just doing such a good job that it was no. going to the sky in Southern Illinois. That's way too big. That's okay. way too big. Uh, That's way too big. I tried. I tried. Um, That's the only pattern that I saw. Yeah, I mean, these things were, were turning up just about everywhere. If you Google aliens in Illinois, you're, you're going to find a ton of stuff. But what was the one website that you were using? I saw MUFON. It's M-U-F-O-N. Okay, MUFON. <laughs> it's basically a UFO network of people who are interested in knowing the truth 
that is out there. So they can post. They post Illinois sightings. sightings. Very cool. Very much like the BFRO, the Bigfoot Research Organization. Um, you can go on there and report your sightings as well. So that's that's a great spot if you need to do your own research or you have something to claim. Citizen science at its best. You know what? It was probably the earliest start of it. Um, but honestly, it doesn't matter if it was urban or rural. People are seeing these lights everywhere. Um, I mean, we're looking at, uh, there was an account of an attempted landing in 2000, July, uh, at Downers Grove. I mean, that's not very far from here. That's a pretty urban area if you are not familiar with Illinois. So Downers Grove is a suburb of Chicago, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty well populated, so that's surprising. Yeah, so at 8 p.m., a security guard saw a bunch of bright lights, and he went to go check it out, and he, quote, saw... A huge object that was trying to land in the parking lot. It was as long as eight buses and almost as high. He described the object as dark silver blue in color with a goldish stripe across it and underneath looked concave. So he was underneath a roller coaster. Somehow there was like a carnival that came in town well, but and they were setting up in the parking lot. But that's what science is, you know? You, you take a report and a, a slice of evidence or, or an encounter and you pick a part what you think you can debunk and you try to, you know, prove it's false or you say, I don't know. I, it's okay. possible. I, I have to say, because I'm uncomfortable with aliens, okay. I'm going with Occam's razor, which is just trying to go with the simplest, the simplest answer might be the and, right answer. And so I'm going with roller coaster. And that's fair. But you know what? Even at O'Hare. Okay. Our so busy so, airport. Okay. So maybe we're a little skeptical on this Downers Grove thing. Big time skeptical. How about something that happened at O'Hare International Airport? Ooh, O'Hare. <laughs> so, so we're talking about a busy airport. We're talking about government. We're talking about radar. There's satellites. There's officials. There's people. There's everything. goats that are out there. Goats. <laughs> the grass. The goats. Maybe they it. saw it. They like the livestock, those aliens. Uh, so, okay. 4.30 p.m., Tuesday, November 7th. 2006. Very precise. Very precise. Federal authorities. Okay. So these people have credibility. They've been background checked. All right. They they have some standing. Okay. So federal authorities at O'Hare received a report that a group of 12 airport employees, not one, not two, 12 employees. even dozen. (laughs) Nice. They all witnessed a metallic saucer shaped craft. Hovering over gate C-17. If you know where that is, think about it. C-17. I don't know. know. Um, They also received a report that approximately a dozen witnesses were observing a small, round, disc-shaped object, metallic in appearance, which hovered over which gate? C-17. You guessed it. C-17. So it was visible for approximately two minutes. It was seen by nearly... Two dozen people. It grew from a dozen to two dozen. Okay, a dozen workers oh, and a okay. do- dozen spectators. That's put a good, them that's together. A good 50-50. Um, airline employees, pilots, supervisors. So we're really talking about people here that I wouldn't jump right out and say are liars or would make no, up a no, story. No, no. I'm not saying these people are liars. I am saying that they are under a delusion. Well, so the UFO was seen suddenly accelerating straight up through the overcast skies, and witnesses reported that the object left behind an open hole of clear air in the cloud layer, and then the mysterious hole 
disappeared within a few seconds. So far, no conclusive photographic evidence has Big surfaced. Surprise. <laughs> but nearly two dozen people said that this was real. Okay, I think that the phenomenon may have been real. I'm not sure it's aliens that were real. Like, maybe it was government research. Maybe it was a test pilot. Maybe it was a science project. I just don't But if that was aliens. the case, why didn't somebody come forward and be like, listen, it wasn't aliens. It, it was just me and my home science experiment. Well, this was 2006, right? So yes. there's no yes. Instagram. There's no TikTok. Why would people want to... Fair document Thinking. something yep. different and unique that they did. So I bet nowadays it'd be a different result. It, it, well, yep. You're going to keep trying. <laughs> Agree to disagree, but you never know. That's true. Okay, so I, I truly feel like just about anyone or everyone might have a story. The, their own UFO story. I mean, honestly, you know... Granted, sometimes your imagination can take you in places you may not expect, but if I'm being candid with our amazing audience here. This is a special okay. candid Christy moment. I could swear when I was a child. You're not I, allowed to swear in our house, so I'm not <laughs> sure what you're allowed to do with yours. Under oath, penalty of, of being put to jail. Oh, boy. Um, when I was a child, we would spend time with cousins out in Iowa, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I don't remember how old I was, but I just remember seeing some strange lights out the window. They were little, they got big and bright, and then they just quickly just swooped away. And it just didn't feel natural. It felt something different, and I had to tell everybody in the morning. So... Um. I mean, again, I don't know. I don't, Who knows? It, helicopters, you would hear the noise. I didn't hear noise. Airplanes don't, like, make this U-shape. So what was it? Cousins messing with you. No, the we the were window. on the second story. <laughs> like, there's no way. But, you know, everybody has a story. They, they do have stories. I mean, uh, even me. Okay. Uh, skeptic. Here it goes. Um, so she's not really skeptic. I'm a skeptic. Because if you have a story... I saw something. Okay. I am not labeling it as aliens. Okay, so what did you see? Um, I was in kindergarten, and we were going to the airport from Disney World to the airport, I guess, in Florida. Yes. Miami, maybe? I don't know where that would be. Orlando. And Orlando, probably more. <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't know where we were going. Uh -huh. And I remember being in the backseat of the cab, and we saw some strange flight of something. Now, remember, also, they do have the space program in Florida, so who knows? Maybe it was something like that. And I remember looking at it, and I'm like, those are weird. And the cab driver goes, kid, you just saw a UFO. <gasps> and it just threw me, and it was odd. Yes, it was an unidentified flying object. Okay. But, of course, I was six, so I had but, lots of unidentifieds in my life at that point. An adult corroborated yes. your story. The taxi cab driver from a long time ago. <laughs> So either he was trying to make you feel better and maybe. being like, yes, you saw that. We all have a story. Or maybe he wanted to scare the poop out of you. And or, be like, or it's just a sign of something else we don't know. And there's something else for us to discover. I mean, okay. So if we break down UFO, unidentified flying object, right. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's otherworldly. Absolutely. Okay. It could be, but it could not be. It's one of those, <laughs> we got to study some more. We're going to bring this back from otherworldly down bizarre, to earth. The bizarre we're bringing back. We're going to bring it down to earth. We've here. gone from bizarre to silly. Now we're going to get to the truth. All so right, what's the true alien? The true. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture defines invasive species as species that is non-native or alien. Oh. 
to the ecosystem under consideration and whose introduction causes or is likely to cause economic or environmental harm or harm to human health. So that's the aliens we're going to jump into right now. Are those aliens? A lot less exciting, folks. (laughs) (laughs) But still extremely important. So we have... Uh, flora and fauna aliens here we do in our environment in our environment and according to the smithsonian the top six of the united states are purple loosestrife yep which is a really pretty purple flower but takes over waterways really quickly the japanese honeysuckle yep got that number three is a japanese barberry <laughs> okay number four also on red oak grounds is the norway maple oh boy a lot of that gotta love that sir <laughs> Number five is the English ivy. Okay. And number six, if you are from the East Coast, you might have seen this kudzu. For sure. I, I was very surprised at this list. I thought for sure something like um, garlic mustard, mm-hmm. phragmites, buckthorn. Those are our top three, I believe. Those aliens. <laughs> yeah, th- those are for sure our top three. Okay, so why are these creatures, as in plants, invasive? Besides what the USDA says. Well, if... We're taking an example here, such as our own um, purple strife or garlic mustard. What had happened was those first early settlers that came to the Americas, they had no idea what kinds of plants, animals that, you know, that were going to be found here. So to hedge their bets, they brought these plants and animals with them. So those people, they brought it over with them to their new home because they knew how to use it. And unfortunately, we are a different climate than what they had back home. The soil was different, maybe even more nutritious, better for these plants. The weather, more rain, less rain. So the point is, is these plants took over. They started growing before our native plants did. They had the green leaves making their food, stealing the nutrients from the soil, the water, the sunshine. And eventually they dominated these habitats. So that's where they become invasive species because they're doing environmental harm. Correct. They are doing harm. And there are species that are considered invasive. However, we find a benefit from that. Absolutely. Let's even talk about honeybees. Yes, please. So honeybees were introduced from Europe by those people who came over with a resource that they needed to be able to survive. And they introduced them as pollinators here in the Americas. And it's amazing because we had flies. So there were creatures that were doing the job and there were some other kinds of like butterflies and bugs that were also pollinating some of our native flowering plants. But once the bee got here, they took over. They They did a great job and they gave us this awesome benefit called honey, which we do sell here at the Nature Center. Ah, A local beekeeper. (laughs) Stop by today. Absolutely. If you like natural honey, then Patterson's Bee Farm has the honey for you. And it's right here at Red Oak Nature Center. So again, sometimes we're willing to overlook some of these things like honeybees, uh, wild raspberry Mm -hmm. or another one. Norway maples, technically not the best maples to tap for making maple syrup, but they do provide us with the service, so we kind of let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And that brings the, us to the next question of when it becomes invasive to introduced. At what point do we just say, it's been here for a while, it's introduced, it shouldn't be invasive anymore? And that's a big question and so a big So what's that topic. point, Renee? Tell me. Definitively. <laughs> as, I, as I'm... Definitively. <laughs> the point is there is no definitive time of that, and that is a big uh, question mark for a lot of environmentalists. They are not sure uh, where that to draw that line, so to speak. 
at least not clearly. So it's not all doom and gloom, right, Miss Renee? Yeah, of course not. It's just introduced versus invasive, and, you know, it's great to have a discussion, a scientist to figure out what is going to be here, what should be here, what shouldn't be here, and what the future of here even looks like. So is there anything we can do about it? There's a lot we can do about it. First thing is to learn. So listening to podcasts like this and going out into the web and taking classes will help you understand what's here, why it's here, and should it be here. Another thing you can do to learn more is to get involved. And one way you can do that is by helping the environment and clean it up. So whatever's here has the best chance to survive. And that is on May 2nd. If you go to wherefunbegins.org, you can sign up and you can see about our Habitat Cleanup Day and come out to the woods to help take care of it. But you know what? Sometimes there's some sights and sounds that may seem alien in our woods, but are completely natural. Absolutely. Especially at this time of year in spring when things are waking up. You might not be able to sleep and you hear this sound. Does that sound alien to you? It doesn't sound normal. What about this? Can't say that's something that I usually make a sound like. Let's <laughs> hope so you know you might be sick. What about this unusual sound? things well well if you've heard any of those strange alien noises well you've got some frogs nearby awesome it's springtime so the frogs are back springtime the frogs are back and if you're looking for a way to figure out what frog goes with which tone you can log on to frog watch and they will be able to label it out for you and you can listen to all sorts of different calls and learn about local frogs fantastic well I guess that pretty much wraps up. I think we covered a lot of I think we did. Today. We started with the bizarre, went to the silly, went to the true, and then we kind of realized it was time well, to go. A little, little bit more silliness, too much to, to continue with. So we're going to wrap it up here, folks. We are. So thank you very much for uh, listening to this episode of When Nature Calls, the podcast all about nature, with each episode featuring a topic from the true to the silly to the bizarre, or as today, the bizarre to the silly <laughs> to the true. Yes. And if you'd like to contact us with any ideas of what you would like us to talk about, you can reach us at... You can send us an email at redoak at fvpd.net. That's redoak as F as in Fox, V as in Valley, P as in Park, D as in District.net. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Christy. And I'm Renee. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.